Amen. Good worship service. <clears throat> so, um, so significant when we pray, when we worship, when we break through. We we'll probably not know until um, the Lord shows us what happened, what was accomplished when we would pray, when we would worship. And um, I, I appreciate the the group that goes and prays in the morning and comes and that that's. You know, just blesses me. I, it's unseen, but thank you for that and um, for what all, all of you do. Um, turn with me to, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I believe John 14. Let me find my place. Hang on. It might be Luke. No, I think it's Luke. It is Luke. Okay, we're going to be in um, chapter 14 of Luke. <clears throat> I've continued to be, um, to get revelation and uh, on this word, on this word, follow me, that Jesus calls us to follow him. And uh, it just keeps growing. And um, as I was uh, titling the message, uh, messages for summer, when she was gone, she's getting caught up on the podcast, and um, she called me back. And she, after I gave her the title, and she said, <clears throat> "You spoke about this last year, like same title, a year ago, exactly this time." And I'm like, "Hmm." And um, that's interesting. She goes, "Should we call it something different?" I'm just like, "It's not like people are archiving the you know messages." I said, "The date will distinguish it," you know. And uh, funny, I couldn't remember it. Um, what and and uh, but I can say this. And any time I teach something again that I've taught before, it's like teaching it new because it's always it's fresh. And you know, it's kind of like that thing when you're working on your computer. You write a document and then you edit the document and then you go save as and it comes up and you go yes save as and then it gives you this option. You already have this. Doc, this document already exists. Do you want to save that or replace it? You know, and I would, when it comes to Revelation, I always want to replace it. Like, it's an upgrade, and that's just like, you know, gone. And uh, so it's been, it's so neat. And I think that this is, um, there, there should be a newness continually of our revelation with the Lord. Otherwise, you know, homemade bread is just like the best thing, right? You just can't stop eating it sometimes. Remember those little, um, it was actually an upgrade of the version of those little, the little, um, um, what was the name of the, it was a toy that little girls had, bake, a bake? Heat and bake? Easy bake, yeah, 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 yeah. They could pretend like they're making things, yeah. So, so then... Those, remember those machines where you could make you could make bread that little that thing that you got it was just the upgrade of that easy bake version you know for adults and uh, if you got one of those and started making bread everybody in the house started to gain weight because it was so good you couldn't stop eating it how many of you remember the homemade bread that we made and those little things yeah yeah and um, but as good as bread is you don't want to eat last week's bread right like. It only has it, if it, unless it's full of preservatives, is a short shelf life, right? And so 
it's good when we're continually renewing our revelation. And, and as I look at this, I'm seeing things I never saw before. It's like, on, I've never taught this before. And um, that's how, and it keeps growing, and I love that. I'm like, when I don't have that prevailing word, I feel so lost. And when I get it, I'm like, yeah, it's just there. It just kind of stays there. And I, I go back and I tap into it again, and stuff keeps coming. Well, I um, came to a very interesting passage, but um, I'm just going to take my time, and we'll see what I get to today. But this whole chapter 14 of John, Jesus goes into a subject about that we're familiar with. It's about, and, and through the whole thing, he, and he uses this, which he does, to teach people things, teach them things, the disciples things. And you see right here in the beginning of, of the chapter, one day Jesus was on his way to dine with a prominent Jew, Jewish religious leader, for a Sabbath meal. And everyone was watching him to see if he would heal anyone on the Sabbath. And so, number one, they were invited to a house, and it was, it was a big deal to get invited to a wealthy person's house to break bread, to have, have a meal. So, he number one... He, his disciples are nervous. They're like, because they know he got in trouble for this before. It's like, you're not going to do this. You're not, don't, don't do this. Don't, don't do this on the Sabbath. You know it's going to fire all the religious people up like big time. And then he goes, and all of a sudden, what's it say? It says, just then, standing right in front of him was a man suffering with limbs swollen with fluid, like had a condition. He needed a healing. And his disciples are like, no, don't this now you know not now trying to keep jesus under control they had to be feeling that i'm just dad living here but they had to anybody in your family life make you nervous sometimes when you you you're like don't do it don't do it you're gonna do it and so jesus does it he heals anyways and uh then jesus asked the experts of the law the pharisees in verse three who were present they he knew they were wanting to impeach him over this. Is it permitted within the law to heal a man on the Sabbath day? It doesn't exactly say you can't. Is it right or wrong? And no one dared answer because they knew it was a trap. So Jesus turned to the sick man, took hold of him, released healing to him, then sent him on his way. Jesus said to all, them all, if one of your children or one of your animals fell into a well, wouldn't you do all, <clears throat> do all you could to rescue that, uh, them even if it was a Sabbath day? Or if you have an oxen that fell or whatever. It's like, yes, you can rescue the oxen, your oxen, your, you know, which is a very huge investment. It's like saving your car from falling in the river. Like, yeah, you can do that on the Sabbath. And so he had them. It's like, I healed on the Sabbath. The man needed healing. Today was the day. Boom, I did it. So they, they couldn't build any case on him. And so they were all silent. And then Jesus has noticed something in verse 7. So like I said, there's a gathering, an inv invitation to a banquet. So we do these things. And uh, you get into wedding receptions, funeral dinners. We do those things. Um, and then we do parties for people. And 
Once you're going to do a party or an invitation for a meal for a thing, it's like a state of emergency is declared in your house, all hands on deck. You know, I'm missing half the church today, I think, because there are people preparing for things that are coming up. And uh, so you just, you go to work and all the husbands are like, oh man, I know what's coming. You know, everything needs fixed, painted, put together, everything that's undone needs done. And so you're just scrambling, you're getting ready for this event. And then if it's a wedding, it's more complicated yet. And there are things to um, schedule and people to invite. And you've got to have the band come and you've got to order the food. And if you blink twice, that's very expensive. And all of a sudden you're paying a lot of dollars per plate, whatever. And you have to make that rough decision. How many are we going to invite? And so the game is on, you know. And, and you, you put together this invitation list. You have a, an amount of a, a number. And all of the elements, Jesus is going to deal with some of those things, is they're all there. They're in place. And you're working hard at this. And you prepare for 200 or 300 or whatever it is. And you're like, okay, we got a loan. We did whatever. We, you know, killed the fatted calf. We're, we're going we're gonna to do this thing. And, uh, and, then, and then, like, you're expecting that. It's paid for. You can't get your money back. So you want 300 guests. You invite 300 guests. And you want the people to say they're coming to come, Right? Because you paid for their meal. You paid for, you, there's an investment. This is not a casual banquet. It's, it's a costly one. You don't mind the cost because it's a special occasion, but it's a, it's a costly event. So number one, so Jesus is watching this. Whether it's a large scale or big scale, these things happen. And he watches how everybody's looking for a prominent seat up near the, uh, the host. And he observes this in verse 7. When Jesus noticed how the guests for the meal were all vying for the seats of honor, he shared this story with the guests around the table. And I'll just skip, you know, jump over this or summarize it. He, he, he says, I'm going to tell you a little secret. If you take an honored seat and it's really not for you, you're going to be very embarrassed if the, if the host says, Oh, could you go to the back because there's somebody else that I need to sit there, you know, that I chose. He said, here's what you do when you go into the situations. Humble yourself. Take the back seat. Take the, the humble place. And then if the host decides to honor you, you'll be honored in front of everybody. It'll be a big deal. Hey, you, come back. Don't sit back there. Come up in this place of honor. So he's just telling them, like, here, live this way. Choose the low and let somebody else exalt you. Let someone else give you a place. Now, I know this never happens at any of your parties or events, but it happens. Huh? So he teaches and goes into another thing. He says, remember this in verse 11. Everyone with a lofty opinion of who he is and who seeks to raise himself up will be humbled before all. And everyone with a modest opinion of who he is and chooses to humble himself will be raised up before all. Remember, this is about following Jesus. That's the theme. That's, that's the backdrop of this. Kevin Pontius sent me a picture this week, early in the week. Uh, he was driving to work, and he comes up behind a truck. How many of you ended up behind a truck? 
big truck. Can't see around, can't whatever. If you're on a windy road, you're stuck, you know. Can't even take the chance to pass because it's a big truck. And you are looking at the back end of a truck, especially if it's a semi, you know. The view is not that great. And on top of this semi that he was following, it wasn't even a, a nice semi, all uniform colors. There were several different panels in the door on the semi, and across the top was the word in big letters, follow. That's it. The rest of it was, this was a different color, that was a different, but the, the word follow was right across the top. It was perfectly clear, and I'm like, oh, and he sends this to me because of my messages, and I'm like, so I make an Instagram post about it, like, hey, I've been speaking on this subject, you know, come find our podcast at such and such place. So, Follow me, like that's the backside of Jesus. A shirt that says follow, you know, on the backside, that would. And, and there's so much to it, like it's so liberating, it's so simple, it's so basic. And so in that, he's using these, the situation of, these, of this invitation and being at someone's house uh, to teach his disciples. Why? Because they're following him and he wants them to learn things. He wants them to see. He's instru- everything. He's always instructing them and helping them. So he goes to verse 12, and he says, Then Jesus turned to his host. So he's going to give the host some instructions too. Ooh, everybody gets in on this. And he says, When you throw a banquet, don't just invite your friends, relatives, or rich neighbors, for it is likely that they will return the favor. It is better to invite those who never get in, in an invitation. Again, the disciples are like, um, Jesus, do you have to talk about this right now? Like, this is embarrassing. Like, this guy's going to throw us all out. None of us are going to get to eat. It is be better to invite those who never get in an invitation. Invite the poor to your banquet along with the outcast, the handicapped, and the blind, those who could never repay you the favor. So this is going after our, our motives and, and why we do nice things and good things. You know, be careful. Jesus is he's picking that out. It's like, what's the real reason you did this? Is it so that you can gain and grow in reputation? Do you want to get elected for something? We were just watching a, a, a movie last night, Phyllis and I, and, uh, with, with kids, and they were, the kids were, uh, uh, one, the girl was trying to become a cheerleader, and she just got it on, and then she wanted to be the captain of the cheerleading team, and the little boy wanted to be popular because no one was his friend, and so he was going to run for some office in his little school, you know, he's 10 years old or whatever, and, and, and you hear the father saying, you know, you might want to help somebody with their homework so that they vote for you, like, and there it is, there's that political spirit, there's that doing things for ulterior motives to get something for yourself, and Jesus would be like, see, that's the behavior that defiles everything when you do good things for wrong reasons. So he's giving the host some instruction, some wisdom, and, he, and with it is a blessing, though. He goes, do you want to just impress people or do you want to get a blessing from heaven? And it's important to see the heart of God in this. Then you will experience a great blessing in this life if you do this, if you do things without selfish motives and without motives of trying to get ahead and gain favor with men. And at the resurrection of the godly, you will receive a full reward. Now, that's Jesus giving you a lifetime guarantee. You do 
you do something on this earth that is, that is truly out of your heart and, and for the right reasons, heaven will remember it on that day. We need to think about these things. We need to understand, here's what heaven's paying attention to. We may get the applause on this life, but you could show up at heaven and be pretty empty-handed. What did you do for me? You know, what did you do when you were on the earth? Well, this, 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 this. And Jesus is like, ah, oh, no, no, none of that counts. That's all, that's all smoked. Here, let's put some fire to that. I guess there's nothing left. You know that? Light up, light up, put a lighter to it. Now, interesting. Verse 15. When they heard this, one of the dinner guests said to Jesus. Now, this guy was onto something, whoever this guest was. He makes a great statement. And Jesus spins off of it and moves in, a, in another direction, more instruction. Here is what he said. He says, someday God will have a kingdom feast and how happy and privileged will we be the one, will we be, privileged will be the one, sorry, who get to share in that joy. Now, we just got an, a destination marker. Every once in a while we run into these things in scripture, it's a destination, it's we're going here. Here's a marker, bing, you know, if you, we do our Google Maps and all, all of our things and uh you can put a marker on on your um map quest you know on your app and it's like this is the destination you want to go to that and it's a little pin you drop red and it stays there you see and this is a pin that's dropped in it in eternity it's it's up ahead of us and this this guest recognizes he believes this and jesus he takes off with that and he starts to tell the story, a parable. There was a man who invited many to join him in a great feast. Now, he's speaking of a real feast that is coming. We'll actually look in a second. When the day for the feast arrived, the host instructed his servant to notify all the invited guests and tell them, so they've already been invited. Wedding invitations are out. The invitations are out. Come, for everything is now ready for you. But one by one, they all made excuses. Oh, excuses. You ever make excuses? Better to just say yes or no. Jesus warned about that too. It's like, just say yes or say no. The more you talk, the more trouble you're in. You will ensnare yourself. So if you're going to do something, say yes. Or if you're not going to do it, just say no and just leave it. You'll contradict yourself if you say any more than that. Everything beyond yes or no is evil. And how we ensnare ourselves with our conversation, our talk, our excusing. But one by one, they all make excuses. One said, I can't come. I just bought some property. I'm obligated to go and look it over. Another said, please accept my regrets, for I just purchased five teams of oxen. I need to make sure they can pull the plow. Another one said, I can't come because I got married. I'm not sure what that last one has anything to do with it. Yeah, like, like yeah, I'll just leave it alone. Now, remember... I believe that we should look at this as a costly banquet. Invitations were already sent out. It's time to come 
and the preparations have been made as you see that, which is how it will be in heaven. It is how it is. It's made, it's prepared, it's costly. And then the excuses come. The servant reported back to the host and told him of all their excuses. So the master became angry and said to his servant, Go at once throughout the city and invite anyone you find, the poor, the blind, the disabled, the hurting, and the lonely, and invite them to my banquet. There, again, there's a heart of God being, there's a, something's being revealed here. Take a good look. There's a snapshot of the heart of God in this. When the servant returned to his master, he said, Sir, I have done what you've asked, but there's still room for more. Important. There's still room for more. So the master told him, All right, go out again. This time, bring them all back with you. Persuade the beggars of the streets, the outcasts, even the homeless, urgently insist that they come in and enjoy the feast so that my house will be full. And I, I'm like, wow, he wants his house to be full. He takes pleasure in that. It, the multitudes don't affect because it's, it's a big, big house. Heaven is a big, big place. Even the earth is a big, big place. This population concern and all that, there's plenty of room just spread out a little bit. We don't all have to live beside the creek. It's modern-day America. We can spread out, yeah? There's a way to live healthy, live prosperous. There's plenty of, plenty of everything. That is, that is a, an evil agenda that's over, hanging over mankind right now in our population, our world. There's not too many people on the planet. There's plenty of room. There's untapped resources. We haven't tapped into things. There are patents that have been held back from civilization. I believe they're going to be released in the, in the future. Patents because, because evil people see that they won't make money on that, and so they withhold it. There are patents on medical discoveries that have not been released. You'll probably be angry when you find out. I don't know what they are, but I do, I do know they exist. I've been hearing about this for a long time. There are patents on, more, on, on technology, different ways to get energy that we haven't tapped into right now. I've learned that there is a, a mic, there's a wave of energy in the earth and that someone discovered how to uh, resource that. And it's free, like it's right there. It's in the earth. There's a low vibration. It can be, there's all kinds of things that we haven't tapped into yet. So he wants his house full it's not a limitation, like, oh, heaven's getting crowded. We have to understand the heart of God, no matter what Jesus says, understand this. He wants everyone to come. That's his heart. It's a costly banquet. The price is paid, and he wants whosoever will to come into, come to this. In verse 26 then, 24, I say to you all, the one who receives an invitation to feast with, with me makes and makes excuses will never enjoy my banquet. Wow. 
I, as I took a fresh look at follow the Lord of Jesus saying, follow me, I realized, began to believe, I just, I started, and I wasn't, I'm not sure where I started feeling this from, is that every person needs an invitation. They need to feel an invitation from the Holy Spirit. If you don't, if you don't get that from the Holy Spirit, you won't have the grace to walk this out. And people that kind of voluntarily, hey, Jesus, I'll find you. That was the rich young ruler. I can follow you. And Jesus like, oh, we'll keep all the commandments. Like, oh, I do all that. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm already good at this. I'm telling you, Jesus, I, I can do this. Jesus says, okay. And he has compassion on him when he says it because he wants him to be free from something. Go and sell everything that you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me. And what did the rich young ruler do? Went away sad. Now, the disciples who have already left everything to follow Jesus, they were also sad. Now, a more appropriate response from the disciples when that happened would be that they'd be like, you poor, you idiot. You just passed up an invitation to follow Jesus because you're not, we, we gave up everything and we don't regret it. It's worth doing because this is Jesus we're following. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity to do an internship with Jesus, the Son of God. You don't want to pass that up, right? But instead, they were extremely bothered. And I went, I finally took a real look at that. Like, why did this bother you guys so much? And back in Mark, they, they say it. We gave up everything to follow you, but something convicted them about this. Like watching, like they, they had already, they had done it and they, they were concerned whether they were good, they were okay. Like what does it take? And it was good that they were uncomfortable because they, they needed to see. You can get rid of everything. You can give it all to the poor, and, and not be fulfilling what Jesus is asking for. Now, that, that's where this gets complicated. Because we had a whole a history of the monastic lifestyle. The monks living separated from the, the, anything of the world. Um, the Amish and the Mennonite communities around us, they, they try to, um, they do things, bless their hearts to not... Be worldly. It, you can't do that without entering into hypocrisy sooner or later. You just you can't do it. And they do. That's not a criticism. That's an observation. Because what Jesus wants is he wants you to be free. He wants you to be free to follow him. He wants you to find life. He wants you to... To, to come and, and find something with him that you don't have otherwise. So I realized from the scripture, it was something I'd been looking for, and I ran into it like, aha, the invitation. You have to have an invitation. Like everyone that receives an invitation, you can come, and you need that invitation to come, to get the grace to come. And if you make excuses about why you can't come, you just passed up something really, really big. So let's look at Re uh, Revelations 19, 9. 
just to put some meat on this idea. And um, it, it, it makes this, and again, I, I encourage you, stay out of your um, end times mentality just because it gets so confusing. Um, and let it just be what it is. 19, uh, in chapter 19, starting in verse, um, looking for the verse 6, it must be, um, I think it's still in verse 6. Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult with him and glorify him because the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come. So there's a, a, a marker event. There's a destination event that's coming that you want to attend. If we don't have a grid for it, it's like, it's like a foolish person that gets invited to something that's really, really awesome and you don't know what it is. Like you go, oh, what, what's this? But a person that understands is like, if we have understanding, we realize you want to be invited to this. This is huge. I think it's bigger than we comprehend. And his bride has made herself ready, fine linen. And so what I've been teaching about following Jesus is that when you begin to follow that, that movement, that decision, you start following him, you activate the transformation process to be made into the image of Christ. And Peter got the word in the beginning of his life to follow Jesus, of his walking with Jesus. He gets the invitation in the beginning, and he gets the, and he gets the uh, instruction at the end, of G- right before Jesus leaves, same thing. As for you, you follow me. Don't worry about this disciple. Don't worry about other stuff. You follow me. Like it was still the same word after he'd been following Jesus for three years. It was still the same thing. You follow me. Just follow me. Go where I go. Learn what I teach you. Stay close. Follow Don't let anything interfere with you following. So here's this event, and in verse 9, it says, Then the angel said to me, Write these words, Wonderfully blessed are those who are invited to feast at the wedding celebration of the Lamb. I'm just going to let that set and let it be for what it be what it is. Blessed are those who are invited. And blessed are those, and there's a there's a process we're going through. I don't know. I don't know when you pull back from following Jesus if it's still active. I, I don't, I'm concerned about that. And I watch people that begin and then they stop and they, it's like God's not done with them. There's always a call to come back. We have people that renew and, and, and at later times, like years later, Someone comes around, they feel convicted, and they, and they start following again. They, get, they, they give it their all. Are they lost in between time? I don't know. I don't really even need to analyze that. I'm just saying, if you want to be prepared for this wedding feast, this feast, this, this thing, this event that's coming, you don't want to disengage with the process right now. Because as you've noticed, we have some things that need dealt with. Some stubbornness some hardness of heart, some strongholds. I mean, if we didn't have that stuff, it'd be easy to follow, right? But then stuff shows up. 
We have problems with who we're sitting beside and walking beside and, we, you know, issues. It wouldn't be that bad if we stopped fussing about everything in a perfect world, yeah? So the Lord's got you in a process and we're like, why am I going through this? And Jesus, if he was going to answer you, he'd say, so you could be free. You're going through this so you can get free. It's like, I want my finances to straighten up. And Jesus is like, don't worry about them. Worry about the process. Worry about what's, what you're struggling with. Worry about being able to trust me when you can't see. Worry about what matters, what's eternal, because it's easy for me to bless you. It's easy for me to turn that around. You get your, you get your thing right. You, you put me first, and I'll take care of all these things, right? That's the promise. I'll take care of all these things. So Phyllis and I are walking this out where we're going to go on a trip. We have to trust that the Lord is going to bless, like, well, not that we can change anything by staying here when Ashley has her next baby, but, you know, maybe we'll miss it, maybe we won't. But I, the guarantee, this is how it works in my life when I obey the Lord and do what I perceive he wants me to do. He takes care of things. And I'll, I walk, I look, and I go, wow. I'll step out in something in obedience and beyond my beyond what I can think or imagine happens. And I go, wow. And all I did was, that's why I love this Defender song. All I did was pray. All I did was worship. All I did was follow. And Jesus did this thing. He did what he has for me. I'm going to pull up because I'm just coming into this, this next passive portion in verse 25. I've never addressed this subject before uh, where Jesus says, Who's, you know, unless you hate father, mother, sister, brother, da, 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 you can't, you're not worthy of me. Like, wow, that's a tough passage. But I've really, I really saw something. And uh, I want to share, but I want to give it plenty of time. But I needed to... Take the time first to lay the groundwork for this, how much God wants. When, when, when things are hard, it's not because he wants you to just be disqualified. It's because he wants you to be free. And even when he addresses the things and especially the people that we love, do you know that one of the biggest hindrances to you following Jesus can be the people you love the most? He, nothing, when you follow Jesus, nothing is left untouched. Nothing. If you're not willing for that, then check out, but you're going to miss all the good stuff. That's all I can say. When, if you're going to follow, and what he's requiring of us is everything. Like, it may, even the disciples who had left everything, they're noivis. He makes them noivis when he when he says to the rich young ruler, sell everything you have, come follow me. They had done it, and they still, they're like, it scared them. Like, are we, we going to make it? It challenged something in them. And, and it's like they had to trust that the Lord would instruct them if there's something wrong that he would tell them that, that how they perceived and what they, something there was, was amiss. I don't know the rest of the story. 
I just know that we have this indication, wow, it threw them off big time. Because it's not in the technical thing. We can look at Abraham when he sacrificed Isaac. What was that about? It was a test. And here, here, here Abraham has this promise of a son. It finally happens. And then his instruction is to take him up and sacrifice him on a rock. And act like a heathen god. Like, it was like the worst thing you could hear from heaven. Like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not blah, 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 blah. I'm not hearing that. And when he showed that he was willing, God prepared, God, God supplied the ram. Because even with that, God didn't want Abraham to put his faith in the son, in the promise, in Isaac. He wanted him to be sure that his faith was in the Lord who would provide and bring it to pass. Tricky stuff. So our, our hope can't be even in the things that are promised. Even in the president that is promised. I, I, have, to keep, I have to keep adjusting that, that thing. Like the, the, the hope is not in that. The hope is in the Lord rescuing the Lord delivering, the Lord doing what he's going to do. It can't be in, in the other things that we tend to put our sights on. Oh, now that this has happened, everything will be great. Now, once that comes and we're looking at this thing, this event, this, this whatever, and it gets real tricky when it's the thing the Lord promised he would do. But even that, like we've got to keep our eyes totally fixed on him and trust, trust him and he will test everything. Why? So you can be free. Because he wants his house to be full. Because he wants you to not be uh, disqualified when it comes to that wedding feast. He wants you to be spotless and blameless and, and made into the image of his son. So that you come in the proper garments and, and that can only happen through the process of the, of the Lord pro transforming us. Process. We can't even do it. We can't do it on our own. It's not a self-help book that will get you there. There's not one that will help you. But following Jesus will. No matter how nasty it looks. No matter how emotional you are. Some of the days when we're, we're just like disgusted with ourselves... If we're still in the walk, we're still following, Jesus is like, oh, you're fine. You, went, you could have gone through that a little better, but you're, you're good. You're still following. You're still with me. It's okay. You had a little bit of an emotional breakdown. You, you know, you kicked the cat. Okay, don't, you know. But you're still here with me. You're still on my six. You're still following me. You're still with me. You'll make it if you stay with me and keep your eyes fixed on me. I love this call to follow Jesus. It's so liberating. I feel weight lifting off of me. And I'm, I'm so grateful for the process. Like I trust in what the Lord's doing. I don't have to process myself. That's a, that's a big heavy load. I've got to get myself ready. I gotta fix myself. I gotta stop doing that. I gotta lose weight. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. I gotta make more friends. I gotta have less friends. I need to love more people. I need to not love people as much. You know, it's like 
can't, you can't get it. It takes the spirit. It takes him leading you. It takes you following him. There's not a book like check, check, did this, did that, did that, whatever. I'll pick this up next week. It's, it's, it's so like, wow. So good to get the right perspective of it, a picture of it. So let's pray. Father, we continue to ask for grace. If we follow you, we will prepare. We will be prepared. We will be equipped. We will be refined. We will be transformed in the image of Jesus. And so today, we, we choose to put our hope into you. You will change us. You will bring us. You will deliver us. You will work in, it, work in us. We just need to stay close with you. And we just thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Follow those leadings, following what Jesus says to do, and watch what happens.